0: Welcome to the For Liberty and Justice podcast where we seek to mobilize the church, wake up the city, and take a stand for liberty and for justice. My name is Nate Schatzline. I am one of the hosts here on the For Liberty and Justice podcast. We have an exciting episode lined up for you today where we're going to be explaining three reasons, that's right, I said three reasons why the church must get involved in politics. So buckle up, patriots. Let's get this show on the road. You're watching the For Liberty and Justice podcast. Welcome back to the For Liberty and Justice podcast where we're talking about three reasons why the church must be involved in politics today. Off the bat, that's a triggering statement. Uh, That's a triggering statement for some people that might be watching. Some of you may have clicked on this episode because it triggered you just in the title. Well, we love that. Uh, We love uh, allowing triggered people into our conversation so that we can put your mind at ease and what we mean when we say the church being involved in politics. I'm about to say something something that's a well-known fact, um, but is probably some of the most misin- misinformation that the common church, the common the common man, uh, and the common citizen has no idea, and that is number one, and this is, we're hitting three topics today, but number one, you need to know the separation of church and state, which everyone loves to throw at churches that get loud about their opinions on righteousness. They love to throw at churches um, that get loud about what is truth, And what is not true? Um, And and this is important because I go to a bold church. My church is Mercy Culture uh, here in Fort Worth, Texas. I love my church. I love my pastors. I love my community. Our church is known for being bold, Uh, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. But here's what you need to know about separation of church and state, and this is the big statement. Separation of church and state was never intended to keep the church's influence out of government. It was actually intended to keep the government's influence out of the church, now, some of you are immediately. I can see. I can see the Facebook. Uh, Facebook. Karen's going nuts right now online, typing it up. I can see uh, left wing media going crazy as they hear us say this statement. But I'm going to tell you something. This is the historical context for why we started and why it was uh, uh, started. Separation of church and state. In fact, Danbury Baptist Association of Danbury, uh, Connecticut, sent a letter dated October seventh. 17- Uh, Seventh, 1801, to the newly elected president Thomas Jefferson, expressing concern over the lack in their state constitution of explicit protection of religious liberty. Now, this is important. This is important because the start of separation of church and state began when all of a sudden the church rose up and wanted to make sure that the government did not come in with with its heavy hand and start saying what we can and what we cannot say. And yet, today, we have people, namely the government, coming in and trying to say what we can't say inside of the church. This is the issue, is that people will weaponize, they will misconstrue, that they will manipulate old laws And will try to suppress the voices of Christians. And they'll do it at any cost, even if it's going against our very Constitution, even if it's standing against the original intent of a law. So I'm here to tell you that on January 1st, 1801, Jefferson reverently acknowledged the separation, vowed that there would be a, get this, a wall of separation between church and state, a phrase that he borrowed from Roger Williams, uh, a London minister who greatly influenced the colonies in favor of religious liberty. So you're telling me that the separation of church and state was not to limit the liberty of the church. But it was actually to advance the liberty of the church. It was actually to secure that at the end of the day, we, we kept our, our rights for free speech, our First Amendment rights. We were allowed to speak openly. We, we were allowed to share what the truth actually is. We were allowed to, to take a stand, just like our church does and many churches across America are doing right now, defining truth for our culture. Because I'm going to tell you this right now, for those of you watching. If we as the church don't define truth to the culture, then culture is going to f- define truth within the church. And we're seeing it happen all over the country. Um, you know, right now, I-, I need to define the word church for you. because many see the church as a 501c3 organization. Um, and-, and we have to be careful with this because you know some people would be right in assuming uh, that the law states that a 501C3 organization cannot endorse a candidate. In other words, just to make it very clear, Mercy Culture Church, and I say that one because that's the church I attend, Mercy Culture Church cannot endorse Nate Shatsline for State House District 93. You can't do it, and that's okay, and that's why they haven't. However, when you, as, as the left-wing media would like to say, start to call our pastor out and say that the church is endorsing candidates because our pastor endorsed candidates, well, you just removed the individual rights of my pastor. You just remove the individual rights of someone who serves the community. You just remove the individual rights because at the end of the day, although the, the C3 cannot endorse a candidate, my pastor is an American citizen who has every single right to endorse a candidate that shares his values, and that's exactly what he's doing. So I'm here on behalf of my pastor today to simply say, come at us. We're not afraid. We are bold. We are loud. We are going as strong as we can because we are tired of letting culture define truth for the next generation, and we're ready to make a stand. So I want to explain to you that when we talk about three ways right here that the church must be involved in politics, what we're calling the church is very explicit here. The church is the people The church is is not an organization. It is a people group. In fact, I'm going to throw a scripture at you here. 1 Corinthians 1-2. It says this, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. Now, when the author is writing, he's not talking about a building. He's not talking about a 501c3. He's talking about a people group. It says, To you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. The church is the people who claim Jesus Christ as their Savior. The church is the people, 90 million voting age Christians. That is the church inside the United States of America. That is what we consider the church. So when I make the blanket statement that the church must be involved in politics, what I'm saying is that Christians must be involved in politics. Why should Christians be involved in politics? Because we carry a Christian worldview, meaning that just as our nation was founded on Christian beliefs, it is our responsibility to carry that worldview into policy, to carry that worldview into an understanding. And I'm here to tell you right now, for everyone that would say, well, what about freedom of religion? Absolutely. You are free to carry any religion. In fact, Christianity is a a relationship with Christ and one of the greatest things that our our scripture amplifies is that you have free choice. You have a free choice of whether to choose it or to deny it. This is something that is a Christian value and that's why we hold to these beliefs. So, number 1, the church was never meant to be left out of government. Government was supposed to be secluded from the church. Galatians 1:13 also says this. You know, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. This is Paul. This is Paul referencing the church. And he references the church, and what he references is important that we understand is that he's not referencing an organization. He's referencing, uh, he's referencing a people group. When he's saying that I violently persecuted, he's talking about the people of Christ. And yet, for some reason... News sources continually Reference the church as an organization. In fact, we were just referenced by, I'm just going to call you out, the Fort Worth Weekly just did an article on us, this actually today, that it hit, and uh, I, I believe that it was yesterday, but this was, I woke up to all these texts and, and being tagged in things, and I want to read what the Fort Worth Weekly wrote about us, and you know, here's the deal, you know, we love everyone, well, we love um, all of you that are that are writing these articles, but we are going to hold you accountable. In the same way that you believe you're holding us accountable, we're going to hold you accountable to writing fake news. Um, And I'm just going to call it what it is. It is fake news. Uh, The front page uh, has me. It has my pastor. Has my uh, both of my pastors, Pastor Landon and Pastor Heather, and they're praying over me, and they exploited this picture. And what they said is this. According to Instagram, Landon Schott, the lead pastor at Mercy Culture Church, has no problem outing himself as a conspiracy nut in public or jeopardizing the tax-exempt status of his evangelical northside place of worship. Wow. Sounds pretty biased to me. Great job. It says the IRS has long prohibited churches from supporting political candidates for obvious reasons. Reasons. Now, I just want to be very clear right here. Um, this is fake news. Um, he did not jeopardize the tax-exempt status of our church. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there is nothing in the law that says that Landon or Heather Schott cannot endorse a candidate. Not only that, I find it funny that every organization in the world supports things that their values represent. Every organization in the world is allowed to say, we support this because it represents our values. Every organization in the world is pushing an agenda. The NFL is pushing all sorts of agenda. Nike pushes all sorts of agendas. Planned Parenthood pushes all sorts of agendas. I was watching a commercial the other day that underlying pushed the LGBTQ plus agenda. We're, they're all pushing an agenda. And yet, yet when a leader of a Christian organization says, I'm going to take a sand for," people who share Christian values on a personal note, that when he brings candidates on a stage to pray over them, to bless them, all of a sudden the left-wing media begins to go absolutely nuts. And You want to know why? It's because there's a war on truth. Number two, why the church must rise up and take a stand, why the church must get involved in politics is because there is a war on truth. More specifically, critical theory. Critical theory is invading our schools. Critical theory um, is invading our, our modern day media. Critical theory is invading social media. Critical theory is invading our workplaces. It's invading the way that we think. The greatest attack on our Gen Z um, generation is critical theory. Critical theory, uh, in definition, is a Marxist-inspired movement in social and political philosophy originally associated with the work of the Frankfurt School. Uh, Drawing particularly on the thought of Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud, uh, critical theorists maintain that a primary goal of philosophy is to understand – is to understand and to help overcome the social structures through which people are dominated and oppressed. Now, this is the important part that I want you to highlight. If you're going to remember anything about critical theory, it says believing. Now, this is insane. This is insane. And it actually goes kind of against the postmodern worldview that's come against Christianity. So it's interesting that they're backtracking now. It says, believing that science, like other forms of knowledge, has been used as an instrument of oppression. They caution against a blind faith in science, scientific progress. They caution against science. Oh, we're about to dive into this. Critical theory cautions against science, arguing that scientific knowledge must, be, must not be pursued as an end in itself without reference to the goal of human emancipation. Let me put it very clear. Critical theory claims that your experience trumps science, that your experience trumps absolute truth. Your experience trumps biblical knowledge. Your experience tr- trumps the facts. Isn't it wild that now we as Christians are being criticized because we are pointing to science? We are pointing to, which by the way, science is not evil. God created science, so we should look at the science. And yet critical theory now is claiming to a generation that your feelings, your experiences what you're walking through, what, what, your, what your perception, your own personal private perception is, is greater and should be trusted more than what the scientific facts are. This is dangerous. Do you want to know why this is dangerous? Because if the government, if left-wing media, if society as a whole can get critical theory to become the new law, If all of a sudden critical theory is what we begin to think in schools and education, if critical theory gets pushed on our students, if critical theory, uh, you know, God help us ever makes its way into the church, and it is in some churches, if critical theory is actually pushed, then all of a sudden anything, now follow me on this, if critical theory is trusted, then anything that claims absolute truth Becomes hate speech. Let me say that again. When critical theory is in full effect, anything and everything that claims absolute truth becomes hate speech. Let me break that down for you. The Bible becomes hate speech. Scientific knowledge becomes hate speech. This is where now we see that people are considered spreading hate speech when they say there are only two genders. Well, let me tell you something. On the For Liberty and Justice podcast, we're not going to talk about fantasies. We're not going to talk about feelings. We're going to talk about facts, and we're going to talk about absolute truth. Our generation is under attack right now, and it's heartbreaking because they are trying to make scripture hate speech. Uh, Look, this is the result. Are you ready? Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas is a 21 – or excuse me, 22-year-old transgender swimmer at the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, This particular person has been shattering women's records at the schools. But here's the issue. Uh, It's unknown when Thomas transitioned from male to female surgically, but the swimmer competed as a man as recently as November of 2019. The NCAA rules mandate that if you want to switch your genders – then you have to have at least one year of testosterone suppression treatment to be eligible to compete as a woman. Let me tell you something first and foremost, and this is important that you hear. My heart goes out to Leah. My heart goes out to, to Leah Thomas. My heart goes out to this, to this man who is now struggling with identity. But I, but I also want to say this. It is unfair to an entire generation of women for them to now be stripped of the records that they once held in sports, for them to now have to compete at a level that they were not biologically designed to do, for a man to now decide, because I want to—I just want to point something out. He's shattering records now that he's claiming to be a woman, but he was not shattering records as a man. I want to claim that in this moment, is it possible, can we not fathom, can we not point it out, that maybe, just maybe, this was a ploy to shatter records, that maybe, just maybe, that this is not okay, because what we're doing is we are in one moment destroying women's sports, destroying the identity of our young ladies when they're in competition, when they're going after a healthy competition, that we are now redefining a win for them that is unachievable because they were not biologically made to be able to compete at that level. This is an injustice. This is an injustice because this is what critical theory does. Critical theory claims that, oh, you feel this way, you must be this way. Do you know the danger in, in teaching an entire generation that the way they feel is the way that they should act, is that some people have suicidal thoughts. Some people have mental health disorders. Some people feel violent. Some people feel angry. And if we teach an entire generation to go off of their feelings, then trust me on this, and you can quote me, we are going to see an up-tempo in our divorce rates. We are going to see an up-tempo in our suicide rates like we already have. We are going to see an up-tempo in rape, in incest. We are going to see an up-tempo in sex trafficking. We are going to see an uptick inside of the fentanyl crisis. This is the problem, is that we cannot say absolute truth because critical theory claims that it is hate speech. And this is why the church must, it must get involved in politics because we have the truth. We have what absolute truth is, and it is our job to share that truth, to get bold, to get loud, to make a stance. But here's the problem. We're so worried about getting canceled that we never actually make a mark. What would happen if we threw off the fear of cancellation and said, cancel me if you'd like, but let it be known that we will not be silenced. We're going to take a stand. Number three. Number two is pretty simple. We got we to get involved because there's a war on truth, but number three our liberties are at stake. I was just informed by one of our team members here at the Justice Reform that Meta Vice President Graham Mudd wrote that starting on January 19th, 2022, that's already passed, if you were wondering, we will remove detailed targeting options. This is Meta Vice President, Meta Vice, okay? They oversee Facebook, Instagram. It says that as, as of January 29, 2022, we will remove detailed targeting options that relate to topics people may perceive as sensitive, such as options referencing causes, organizations, or public figures that relate to – get this – health, race, ethnicity, political affiliation, religion – or sexual orientation. You can no longer have targeted ads as a church. You can no longer have targeted ads as, as a political affiliation. If you have a political affiliation, guess what? You're now censored. If you're a church, you're now censored. You can no longer reach the audience that you want to reach. Let me just be clear. The separation of church and state, this is what we were trying to prevent. We were trying to prevent the censorship of Christians. We were trying to prevent the censorship of getting the gospel out. What, what kind of world? I don't want to live in a world Where our children have to grow up knowing that if they have a religious preference, oh my, they can't actually target. They can't use the resources that someone else has. They can't target people inside of an ad to be able to reach out and and spread love and spread the gospel. This is the issue. And I want to challenge the church right now. Your religious liberties are under attack. It is time to rise up. But hear me on this. It is not our job to fight back with hate. No, 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 no. Let us not lose the tone of compassion. Let us not forget that when we're talking to the swimmer that I just referenced, Leah, that it is still our job to love that person. It is still our job to to show compassion to that person. But it is also, if true love exists in our heart, then it is our mandate. It is our responsibility to share truth in the middle of showing love. It is our, our responsibility to show truth with love. It is our responsibility to continue to love when they come at us, continue to love the Fort Worth Weekly when they, when they bash us and try to take out our knees. Well, here's the good news. It didn't hurt us. It actually encourages us. We're gonna come back stronger and louder, but we're gonna continue to carry compassionate love. But when Meta Vice President Graham Mudd claims that we can no longer run ads as a church, I take it personal. I take it personal because there are people losing their lives every single day. Our suicide rates have skyrocketed across middle school and high school and college age students in America. So forgive me if I get a little bit righteously angry when you tell me that we can no longer run an ad that could save a life. When you tell me that I can no longer spread the gospel when I feel it is necessary to spread the gospel. Forgive me if I get a little bit upset when you start to tell me what I can and cannot share on social media because it doesn't involve your truth when it involves absolute truth. Forgive me. If I get a little bit righteously indignant when you try to censor the greatest hope of the world, world, which is the local church, um, and I just want to challenge you, Meta, that maybe you should spend less time focusing on censoring the church and more time focusing on fixing your own staff. Because last I heard, you just fired your head of global community development because they were involved in an underage sex sting. What would happen? If we started holding these companies accountable the same way that people tried to hold the church accountable, what would happen if we started recognizing that the very organizations that are trying to censor the church are some of the most corrupt organizations in America? What would happen if we started holding them accountable and started saying no longer? What would happen if we rose up and Christian tech companies started rising up? I challenge you, (coughs) excuse me, I challenge you that if you have a passion for tech, maybe this is your sign to rise up and start an organization that doesn't just combat Facebook, but challenges it. It's time to lay down your personal liberties for the greater good of our nation. Those are the words of Dr. Fauci. I'm going to say them again. It is time to lay down your personal liberties for the greater good of our nature. It is time. I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. It is time to lay down your personal liberties for the greater good of our nation over my dead body dr fauci that is outrageous this is a quote from the man that we put trust in for our for our health this is <coughs> excuse me a quote from the man that most of america thinks was valid i know they don't anymore but to lay down your personal liber- liberties never 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 will we lay down our personal liberties i just want to be very clear that the government's job is not to define what is good It's to protect the personal liberties and freedoms so that the church can define what is good. This is why the church must rise up. This is why we must take a stand. This is why the church needs to be involved in politics. And let me just say this if the government gets to define what is good, then they get to outlaw what we say is good. Mark my words. We are in a critical time in American history. History books will record what we do next. And we have an opportunity to be a part of the resistance that takes a stand and says, no, 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 we are gonna fight for our liberties. We're gonna fight for the rights of the unborn. We're gonna fight for the rights of our students. We're going to fight for truth to be spoken. We're going to fight for our kids to learn all of history and also to learn that we don't have a systematically racist nation, but we have a nation that was filled with good people and filled with bad people and filled with people that made mistakes, and that's just the human condition. But we have got to take a stand. The time is now. Speaking of taking a stand, we have a group of people, our neighbors to the north, the Canadian Freedom Convoy. (laughs) We've talked about them several times inside of this For Liberty and Justice podcast. Um, I want to give an update on the Canadian trucker friends that we have. They posted this video of our church, more specifically our pastor, giving them a shout-out this last Sunday. And I just love that our pastor is this bold. Watch this as our church gives a shout-out to the Canadian truckers in the Freedom Convoy. It's pretty awesome. Check this out. (laughs) this church loves you and supports you. I love that our pastor is so bold. I love that the Freedom Convoy posted about this. And this is what we need. We need this in the United States. And I believe that you're out there. I believe that the patriots like this in Canada are out here in the United States. Some are here in Texas. Some are in California. God knows that we need patriots, Christian patriots, To be more specific, to rise up in the state of California, Utah, Arizona, we have viewers from all over, but I'm telling you that this right here, we need you to take a stand. I want to give you an update on these truckers because they need our prayers. They need our support. Um, Ottawa police have launched an operation on Friday to arrest Freedom Convoy protesters and clear the city's downtown. Uh, Two Freedom Convoy organizers are now facing charges following their arrest Thursday night, reports say. And then get this, police are warning media to stay away from the protest sites during the clear-out operation or risk arrest themselves. This is what could happen in the United States. That the police are coming against these people that are protesting for their freedom. They're protesting against vaccination mandates. They're protesting against lockdowns. This is this is crazy. That an entire nation that you need to rise up. And in America, oh, that we would never get to this place where all of a sudden police are saying, Media, you can't even come near us because they are censoring media. This is this is dangerous. This right here, this is authoritarian, this is evil. This is what we are fighting against. Look, while, while some of the protesters surrendered, others blared their horns or were heard singing Amazing Grace when this took place. And I want to I end this podcast with this quote from, from one of our truckers. He said, freedom was never free. His name is Kevin. He's in Montreal. He said, freedom was never free. So what if they put the handcuffs on us and they put us in jail because freedom was never free? I'm going to challenge you as you're watching this this week. That no matter what comes against you, you have not just the right, but you have the responsibility as a Christian, the responsibility as an American, the responsibility as a patriot to stand up and say, So what if they come against me? You define the day. So what if they come against me? We're gonna take a stand for liberty and for justice. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Stay tuned for next week. It's going to be an exciting one. And thanks for watching the For Liberty and Justice Podcast.